Hello and welcome to the Healthy Hustlers Podcast. We're your happy hosts, Amy and Madeline, best friends who work hard and hustle harder. We believe to be happy and healthy in your work, you need to be happy and healthy in your life. We combine health, well-being and business with a fresh perspective to share the stories of normal people with inspiring lives. From leading entrepreneurs to athletes, models and artists, together we delve deep into their journey to success to find out why health and well-being is at the core of their philosophy. Whether you're looking for advice and guidance for leading your best life, an engaging, easy-to-digest pep talk, or a boost of healthy enthusiasm to fuel your health and wellness goals, the Healthy Hustlers podcast is your go-to for kicking ass in work and play. Just as beautiful on the inside as she is on the out, Nat Rosa is one of Australia's most sought-after models. Racing the covers of Women's Health Sunday Style Maximum, she's also featured in campaigns for some of the biggest brands in the world. Described by Women's Health as strong, sexy and successful, we had the absolute pleasure of chatting to Nat today about her journey so far. From being scouted at a girlfriend modelling search competition at the age of 13 to living with scoliosis, this conversation is a true insight into Nat's life and we hope you love it just as much as we do. Hi Nat, welcome to the Healthy Hustlers podcast. I'm thrilled to have you here today. I'm flying solo, um, but I'm thrilled to have you, especially on this very wet and miserable Melbourne day. So thanks for joining us. Oh, it's so nice to be here and out of the rain. Thank you for having me on the show. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, I'm sure it's nice to be out of the rain. It is absolutely horrendous out there. I can't believe we're in December. Melbourne, right? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> so let's kick off by hearing about one thing people might not necessarily know about you you this is actually a question that comes up in interviews quite a lot so I'm constantly having to reinvent the answer that I have like prepared for this (laughs) type of question um normally I would write things like um I have like this really weird fear of fish um yeah it's it's strange it's (laughs) I think it stemmed from when I was a little girl I had this pet goldfish and it uh, died when I was away on camp oh no And then I got home and my mum had gone to the pet shop and bought a replacement fish. But she bought this goldfish. And I don't know, like, I don't think it was deliberate, but it was honestly the ugliest goldfish (laughs) I have ever seen. And it scared the living daylights out of me. So I couldn't even have that fish tank with that fish in my bedroom. Oh, mum. I had to put it in the laundry out the back of the house. Oh, my goodness. It just, I'm scarred. So now, like... Touching fish, seeing fish, eyeballs, skate. It's just, I really don't like it. Totally freaks you out. So do you eat fish? No. No? Wow. Yeah, I went swimming in the Great Barrier Reef when I was about 23. And I I got in the water and like, just the anxiety of like, and then they were really big. And I know like, of course they're really big. It's the ocean. But the little Nemos, I'm okay with. Okay. As long as they don't touch me. (laughs) Which I don't know when you're like snorkeling and I like I it's 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 overcoming fear every time I go snorkeling and yeah it's weird. Oh my so goodness! Go. I actually love that. That is so random, yeah. but I cannot believe it's funny to think how much something from your childhood can really carry the whole way through. One hundred. Like such a simple thing, your mum trying to do the right thing and it scarred you for life. Oh, I'm just like so innocent, and I've just it just affected me 
beyond reason. It really did. Oh my goodness. So you were raised in beautiful Newcastle in New South Wales. Ames and I actually had the pleasure of working there quite a bit. So I know Newcastle very well. Absolutely love it. I'm sure you had a very blissful childhood. It was lovely. Yeah. I'm very lucky. Yeah, it's a beautiful spot. So can you give us a little insight into Nat growing up? Did you have any little quirks or um you know so many were you adventurous (laughs) yeah so I was so we live about or they still live there about let's say half an hour out from Newcastle beaches Mm -hmm. um more on Lake Macquarie area if anybody wants to really get down to the the (laughs) The geography of it um so yeah we grew up I grew up out there with my younger brother and I was the type of kid like I was either completely outdoors or at home playing computer games and video games um, I was a massive nerd, uh, very much into The Sims and Spyro, and I would always I was very active. So I was doing rep netball, um, so training for that three days a week, and then playing on the weekend, and then little athletics on a Friday night. Um, so that that kind of filled up my afternoons, um, and then for school, I remember this will give you kind of a, a I guess an insight into my how I planned my whole week. I used to really enjoy doing surfing as a sport for because that was offered because it's Newcastle. So Wednesday afternoons was surfing. So every Wednesday I'd walk to school, which was like 15, 20 minute walk with a mini Malibu on my head, like just holding it above my head, walking. I don't know how far it was. It was 20 minutes. I don't know if I was a fast walker back then, but it felt like forever with this giant surfboard. <laughs> And then for the way home after school, once I get home from surfing, I catch the bus. But like it was a public bus. So I'm getting on this public bus in like wet school uniform, full of sand with like this giant surfboard that looked like it was for a fully grown adult man. And, and I'm just like, oh, getting in, trying to get fit in the bus and standing on the bus. And then, yeah, it was um, it's fun memories, but I'm glad I don't have to. Oh my goodness. I was really strong though. (laughs) Really? Yeah, I could imagine you would be. I just got so many flashes of my childhood when you're talking about that, especially The Sims. I remember Mm. being so addicted to that. Such a good game, controlling people's lives. (laughs) I spent about most of the game I spent was designing the houses. Oh, I loved that part. That was seriously so much fun. Move on to the next house. What else? I want to design the house, guys. Yeah. And you, you know, the cheat, the money cheat, or it was like money bags or whatever it was, depending on what. Oh yeah, yeah, seriously, it was seriously such a fun game. But um, and surfing too. I used to do surfing competitions at school. You're I like think back now, person. and I'm like, why did you? You lose so much of that innocence, don't you, when you grow up? And I'm yeah. like, oh, why did we? Why did we have to lose all of that? Like the simple simplicity of life, I guess. Like, I tell you, I do not have three hours to sit in front of a computer and play The Sims now. No, either I do I. <laughs> I don't know where I found all that spare time, but I was, it was, there was so much free time when I was younger. Absolutely. So would you say there was anything in your childhood that kind of shaped your sense of identity? Mm, I think I was, you know, always heavily sim- surrounded by my immediate family. Uh, that was really important to me. Um, I had a really, really strong group of friends and we all had very similar interests and um, it definitely put me on the right path in terms of schooling. Like I was really lucky. All my friends were quite um, passionate about school as much as yeah. I was the big, like I loved it. I loved coming first in class. Like it gave me such a rush. Mm. Um, so we, I had a really nice 
group of friends. I guess we were kind of competitive, but like in a very innocent way. Like there was no like head to head competition, but I always grew up being quite competitive and always being in competitive sports. So that's really shaped me. Um, But then I guess also like being competitive in competitive sports and in like that educational environment, it taught me the negative things about being competitive and, and I learned how to grow from that as well. Now that I'm older and still in quite a competitive industry, um, I kind of managed that a lot better. And I think that that's due to my childhood and the things that I've learned. Yeah. That's amazing that you can learn that at such a young age. And I guess, I think it took me like a long while, but it it came from, yeah. It (laughs) It stemmed from that. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. So I guess you did start your modeling career at the age of 13. Mm. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, well, I was, um, yeah, kind of like I described, like a massive dork with long limbs and bleach blonde hair from the sun and skin, like, so dark. Like, I just was in the sun all the time. Um, I was, when I was 13, I was already, like, five foot eight and a half, so I was, like, as tall as some people get as full-grown adults. I was just, like, kind of had that ideal body for the industry back then. Um, so mum actually entered me in a modelling competition and I didn't know. She just submitted a photo. It was Girlfriend magazine. <laughs> and I remember when mum called me and she was like, oh, I just got this call, Matt. And I'm like, oh, what do you mean? She's like, oh, I put you into a modelling competition with Girlfriend magazine. And I went silent and she was like, oh, yeah. And they want to meet you. You've been uh, shortlisted or something. We're going down to Parramatta on the weekend and you're going to meet this modelling agency called Chic. And I just, I remember, like, it's one of, I don't have many memories from when I was young, but this one, I remember I was so excited. I was, like, running up and down the hallway like a puppy who's, owners just come home and I'm just like screaming and jumping and it was so surreal and I bought this whole new outfit went down to Sydney went to Parramatta shopping center <laughs> which also by the way was amazing to me because I'd never seen a shopping center so big so I'm in like this crisp white like little white skirt look like a tennis player but I thought I was being cool tennis skirt and like a white top that I thought was really nice and heels I was wearing high heels and um, got put into New South Wales state finalist and signed with my agency. I didn't win, um, but I wasn't really looking to win. I didn't even know I entered it. So just the fact that I had achieved something without trying to achieve it was kind of like, oh, there's more options. There's there's an option. I had no intention of modelling ever. I didn't even, I don't even think I knew it existed in a weird way. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm so grateful that, and I'm still with that agency today. Like they're my family. Oh, wow. That is, that's a really long time to be with someone. Obviously. Yeah. They know me very well. Yeah. Oh, that is so (laughs) good. And I guess how amazing that your mum has, I guess, shaped your career so Mm. much, like to be able to enter you in something like that at such a young age and believe in you is just so amazing to think that that's, you know, ended up being your whole career now. I don't know if she was bored at work or (laughs) I don't know what caused her to do it, but yeah, I wouldn't be here today if she hadn't have done that. No doubt about it. And yeah. then it, was, it wasn't only that, it was her and my, my nan, they used to drive me down to Sydney because I was two and a half hours away. So I'd have castings, which are like interviews for jobs. Um, 
and you know they go for five minutes but you have you have to go there otherwise that no one's necessarily going to book you because they need to see what you look like um so you know i'd go down there for a five minute interview and at 13 between 13 and even 17 um i'd catch the train down but i'd need a guardian to go with me and even for jobs like my nan used to come and sit and just chill all day while i worked and yeah i was very very lucky to have the support that i that i did yeah that's amazing i love that your nan saw part of it as well so how would you say that you have built resilience over the years in such a competitive industry Mm, i guess i didn't always have resilience i used to I guess build my hopes up quite high when I because the way that the industry kind of works is that you you have a client who puts you on hold and they could potentially be they have have like 17 girls on hold you know they're just like oh we're interested in x y and z can we please place a hold on them for our date now if my agency told me about that hold I didn't know there was 17 other girls I'm like oh my goodness I'm gonna get this job this is so exciting I better cancel my exam that I've got like ask my teacher if I can move it and you know you build up this this excitement Mm -hmm. and for me the resilience came from having to learn to manage that excitement Um, and I still struggle with it today like jobs fall through things change Um, direction of a brand changes samples don't arrive and I've I've had to kind of learn about the industry to be able to understand that it's not always about me and mm-hmm. especially not what I look like it's not always about my body shape or am I too fat am I like do they not like my hair color like you know all those things that a lot of models it gets them down because it's it yeah. is a um you know it is about what you look like when you boil it down but uh, there's there's so much more to it am I too uh, you know am I the wrong age is my bust the wrong size um so for me it was a lot about focusing on the other aspects of the industry that impact me getting or not getting a job. Absolutely. Like it's so, it's funny to look at those things. I think anyone can in their career path or their industry and be mm. like, you know, recognize that you're actually learning from that and you're growing and mm. being so aware of that. I think it's so important um, to take that time to, you know, kind of reflect and be like, okay, that may not have gone my way, but what was I able to learn from yeah, it? Because you get like, you have to look at the shadows and the lights from uh, every experience that you have in your life, relationships, friendships. Absolutely. So, so today you're actually one of the most sought after models here in Australia and you also do a lot of work over in the States and you've got a booming Instagram following of over 900,000 people. Yeah, I don't know. That's kind of crazy. That's just, yep. I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. So I guess, can you shed some light on your career path from, I guess, when you were scouted as a model at 13 Mm. to the changes in Instagram and, you know, now you're recognized as a very influential digital influencer as well as a model. How has your career kind of progressed over the years and how did you get to this point? Yeah, well... So, well, I'm 28 now, so it's been a long journey for especially for modeling. Like a lot of model lifespans, they say, is like five years. Girls get over it. Girls, their bodies change. They get married. They have kids. Like, you know, people lose interest. But for me, mine is, my journey is really, it's been quite different. So when I was under at the age of 18, I had no shape. I was like a, like a very different figure to what I am now. I was a lot more like slender because I just had the metabolism of like oh I, I would 
I could, I'd go surfing and then come home and have five Nutella sandwiches. <laughs> like I used to eat so much, but I just burnt it all straight off. Um, so when I was that age, I was working a lot more in the fashion industry. So the, the modeling industries kind of can be broken up into two segments, fashion and commercial. And I was working in the, yeah, in the, in the fashion kind of area, working for designers and runway and uh, things like that that were interesting to learn about. They didn't necessarily suit my personality. I, I like to smile. I'm quite a happy person. Um, and a lot of that calls for more sultry or, you know, a little bit more attitude. And those things, it wasn't necessarily comfortable for me to put that um, energy in. Like, I just... It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't true to myself. And then as I kind of went through school, I, I wasn't working that much because I lived in Newcastle and it was such a commitment to go down to the casting. So mm-hmm. when I turned 18, I went straight into university and it was the same kind of thing. So as my body was developing, as I was becoming a woman, I also wasn't working that much because I was so focused on my schooling. It wasn't until I graduated uni, moved to Sydney to become, to work as a photography assistant because um, I did like a, design uh, degree at uni Um, I moved down to Sydney and actually became available to work more full-time but I was still wanted to pursue my my passion of photography and work um, because at this stage I wasn't working that much I was just like a like a novice I'd just been in the game for a lot for pretty a pretty long time and then I started training and that's where everything changed my I was always thin um because I always had that fast metabolism and I was always quite like muscular because of my netball and things like that. So I, I had the physique, but the training made me healthier. So I looked better, but not, I think, in the way that people expect. So I think like my skin improved, my hair improved, like little things like that that I didn't notice as a 22-year-old. Um, but then, yeah, I it just... It just changed and my body toned up and clients were responding to that so I started booking a lot of active things started booking a lot of swimwear and then the ball started to roll and this was around the same time as Instagram started so I was very lucky to have the two kind of line up so I was sharing on Instagram my shoots and the makeup and you know selfies and I was 22 so they were horrible (laughs) don't don't scroll back not at that time don't scroll back to the bottom of my Instagram it's I was just Yeah, I was just this kid, you know, like I wasn't thinking, but I had a few friends that had followers. They were quite successful and, you know, you work with them and they tag you and then it just, it just kind of snowballs and develops. And then I started to realize that I think I was on about 20K and I'm, and brands started writing to me and offering me products. And I was like, oh, um, okay, thank you. I'd love a new t-shirt. That's awesome. (laughs) Um, and I started kind of writing that and like working out that it was actually a, a business possibility and um, that, you know, when I did post something, I, you know, I had my friends because a lot of the time it was just my friends writing at this stage like, oh, that's really cute, Nat. Where's where's the, where's your top from? Um, and it was interesting learning that side of it because I, it hadn't really been discovered like my agency Mm. wasn't doing anything on it and it wasn't until I was at about 180k that my agency were like oh you've got a lot of followers now and I was like yeah like that's kind of (laughs) kind of what I do like I just take photos and people like it I don't I'm there's no 
there was no reason behind it. I, for me, it was just sharing my life. Um, and then they started representing me for that, which kind of pitched me to clients and it made me use more of my, my creativity because these brands, you know, they send you a product and they're like, we want you to try this, but in exchange for you trying this, could you please promote it on your Instagram? And I'm like, oh, okay. So I've got this sunscreen, which is great because I need sunscreen. It's 50 plus, like it's amazing. Thank you so much. Then I have to work out a way to photograph that in a way that I'm comfortable with. Uh, and it, yeah, it was just like a new way for me to creatively use um, my photography skills and my design skills and and it was really fun yeah I really loved it and then once brands started cottoning on that if they booked me for a shoot I'm gonna do a post because what I was posting is my my day-to-day life and then they get some kind of brand recognition from that it just really boomed and this time that and then there were you know you start to notice all the other girls that are also doing the same thing and it was, yeah, it's powerful. Yeah, absolutely. And it go, like you say, it goes hand in hand with exactly what you're doing because mm. you're promoting the, the brands at the exact time that you're working with them. So yeah. it's like super authentic and natural. Yeah. But it's such an add-on for the brand because yeah. they're like, oh, not only are we getting her featuring in our campaign, she's also promoting it to her, you know, at that stage, 180,000 people. Like mm. it's super powerful. Mm. So I actually remember like that real change, I guess, in the industry, like my background's in marketing. So Mm. I remember, you know, Instagram started to be this thing. Like once upon a time, it was literally a photo editing app. I didn't know it went live to people. And it literally did. It just went live all of a sudden. It was so strange. Mm. I was like, hang on, all these like horrendously edited photos Mm. are like now being seen and liked by people. It was such a like unknown territory really so it's just insane to see how it's evolved and you know I think it's such a powerful platform and an amazing platform for people you know especially like you and your industry that can really leverage that and it's it's a business these days like it's so much more than you know just a photo editing app that it was once upon a time so um but I guess going back to your training um at the age of 14 you were diagnosed with scoliosis yeah and this is something that you do share quite a bit on your channels and you're quite open about how has that impacted your training and how do you have to I guess um ensure that you're always um being mindful of that on your body Mm, so yeah so I was 14 um scoliosis for anyone who isn't aware is just a curvature of the spine it's surprisingly common and since i've started sharing it that you know my journey i've i have so many people men and women writing to me oh my gosh i have exactly the same thing this is so crazy i never knew you had this and you know what workouts do you do because it can be quite limiting my spine uh, because it's not straight, there's there's an unba- an imbalance in my muscles. So one side of my back is hyperactive and the other side is much more uh, like relaxed. And this can mean that, that pain can come. It means that one side of my body is a lot weaker than the other. And because it, it's just so certain movements don't work. Anything that's too impactful, so like a, a burpee, I just yeah. can't. I can't do it. Like the way that my back has to bend like unless I do it really slow and only do like five where I can keep my core engaged and I'm actually doing it 100% perfectly that's fine but once I start to fatigue no I just can't do it my body just doesn't allow for it so it's been 
a real uh, trial and error. Um, and it's, it's taken its toll on my body because when the error is an error, it's pretty bad. Uh, I'm lucky because I guess you, you kind of learn to deal with the discomfort. Uh, people often ask me, are you always in pain? And I don't really classify it as a, as a pain. When I'm in pain, like, it's a, it's a much higher like, level. So I'm, I just generally say that, I'm yes, I'm always in discomfort. I have to make sure that I'm moving. If I sit down for too long, it can get really quite, I guess, cramped and tight. Uh, so, yeah, that's why exercise is so important to me. I have to make sure that my core stays strong to support my spine and take the pressure off my back. My hamstrings are really hard to activate and to work out, so I have to do really slow, controlled hamstring movements because if I'd spend if I expel too much energy with them and they go weak, my back instantly takes that pressure and it just causes all kinds of drama. Um, netball was surprisingly fine as I was growing up, I think because my body, I'd been playing since I was like nine. Um, same with running. I've always been running, so I've got like that muscle memory and my, my spine knows how to cope with it. But running, for example, I have to build up to it. So if I, I, I can 100% right now go and run 10K for you, no worries. But the end, I'm going to be in bed for three days yeah, because wow. it just, it's not my cardio. It's not the rest of my body. It's just that constant impact. Mm. Um, I need to build up to it. So it's always, it's always gradual, gradual, gradual. Oh, cool. Okay, now look at me run. And then if I stop, I have to go back to the beginning and start again. Yeah. So you really have to be like so in tune with your body mm-hmm. and know what it needs. And yeah, I guess how do you go? Because today you now live between LA and Sydney, which mm. obviously a huge amount of travel involved in that. How do you go when you might have a week of travel or you land back in LA and you've got, you know, um, jobs booked and mm. you don't get to train? Do you really have to kind of take that time to ease back into it? hundred percent. Travel for me can be dangerous if I train. So for example, I went to London recently and landed at nighttime, went to bed, slept fine, woke up early and I was like, oh cool, I'm going to do a workout. And I did one of these workouts on those workout apps that you see all the time. And that one of them was a prisoner squat, which is a squat with your hands up behind your head. And I did that and something popped and I was stuck and I couldn't walk for three days. It kind of felt like a slipped disc. It wasn't. It was just some kind of huge muscle spasm. But things like that, because I didn't allow my body to rest, I was dehydrated. I was, my spine was already very compressed from the, from the flight. If I, if I lie down, if I stretch, if I hang from something, my, I grow an inch. Like that's how much my spine can compress overnight. Like I'll be t- so tall in the morning and by the afternoon I've shrunk. And you can see it in photos like modeling. I, you know, I pay close attention to how my body looks and feels. When I, if I shoot early morning, I'm so lean. And then the afternoon, my torso has shrunk, which is pretty crazy, to, crazy. to watch and to observe. But I mean, I, I just know my body and yeah, 100% have to listen to everything. I'm lucky I've got teams or teams. I've got my people in LA, Sydney, yeah. Melbourne. Um, I've found places mm. that I need to go that help me for different things and saunas. I love infrared sauna. That just helps really relax all of the muscles and 
you know, it's good for all kinds of things. Yeah, but. definitely. I actually did my first one only a few weeks ago and I oh. honestly could not believe the difference. Like mm-hmm. the next day I was like, I am on fire. This it is so, so good. good. Yeah, it's seriously amazing. Um, so I guess then going back to your travel, do you have any like healthy hacks or little habits that you know you need to do to stay on top of, you know, what that travel can actually do to you, the impact it can have? Yeah, so one of the... Something that's really stuck with me since I read it was that for every four hours that you fly, you lose a liter of water. Whoa. <laughs> so for my flights, Sydney to LA, 15 hours, I, I get really dehydrated. And I don't think people realize just, they always say, oh, flying, it makes you dehydrated. But I don't think people actually understand what that means, like how bad it is. So for like, and it's as annoying as it is to drink on a plane because then you have to get up and I like window seats, so I always have to disturb the person next to me. But you, you're you that to, annoying you person. Go, oh, I have, yeah, because if I don't drink that, drink the water, like it's it's just really rough the next day. I don't sleep as well that night, and um, yeah, it's for me. That's the biggest thing that I try to do is mm. to drink water. And then how's this? This is a weird little tidbit that my boyfriend's mom actually taught us uh is that because you know the body is like i don't know what is it 90 percent water or like all water basically um we and you know people say that you know full moon we go we, we change with the moon because we're yes. all water right yeah so if you are in a different country to to help jet lag if you put your feet in the ocean it resets it helps you like reset your time oh my goodness yeah that's insane. Take that as you will. I will 100% be using that. But isn't that. that the easiest like thing you've heard of to Absolutely. help Definitely. So good. Well, because I love like cold showers. I'll always make sure that I have a cold shower or, or that I at least go out in, I guess, that day, even no matter how tired I am, I try to just be like, okay, I'm in daylight now. Mm. But um, Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. My, Wake up with the sun. Absolutely. My mum and I went um, over to Spain last year and on the plane, I like talking about dehydration, I drank like five or six litres of water and I had, you know, my big Voss bottle that I was yes, getting the, <laughs> getting the um, air hostesses to fill up and my mum kept saying like, my goodness, you're going to drown yourself in water. And I was like, mum, have you not noticed like how little I'm actually going to the toilet? Like if I drank five litres, mm. six litres of water in a day at home, like I literally wouldn't leave the toilet. Yeah. And it's like just such a sign of how dehydrated your body actually is to think that you can hold that for so long. Yeah. And then if you're having coffee on the plane, or yeah. something alcohol, like, <laughs> alcohol, yeah, you have yeah. a couple of wines yeah no it's crazy yeah definitely well I love that tip I hope anyone that's traveling takes that one so I've read in a few articles that you sometimes I don't don't want to say use but you sometimes do an alkalizing diet oh yeah I would love to talk to you about that because it's something I'm super interested in and I've done a bit of research. So I'd love to talk to you about how you find it, how it helps your body, Mm. like when you decide you need to apply that to Mm. your lifestyle. Yeah, so I found that quite a few years ago, um, I worked kind of, I started using a particular program that do it and it's a 15 day uh, detox alkaline it's food and then they offer like a powder supplement it's called living lean um, that's the one that I use and they're Australian and they the sach- the sachet with the powder is like a you know your kind of standard green powder you know chlorophyll and 
all those goody things. It's also got salt, stevia, and I think it's got like a clay in it. And the way that that works is that it's rehydrating you. It's giving you amazing nutrients that your body needs and that doesn't it doesn't always get. Um, and with those things, I guess like your body doesn't always absorb everything that you're putting into it. So even if, even if you're if you're eating meat, it doesn't absorb all the iron. And even if you're drinking protein powders, it doesn't always absorb all the protein, even though it's like in powder form, like easy for your body to take on. It doesn't, that's just not how we work all the time. Depends on, on your body. So with this sachet, you put it into water and you drink four liters of water a day. Wow. So yeah, that can be a lot and you will be peeing a lot. <laughs> um, especially until your body gets used to yeah, it. Yeah, I was going to say, until you build up to that amount of water yeah. and then you're like, oh, I'm not going to the toilet as and much. Then, so like day three, day one, two and three, you're peeing all the time. You're feeling quite like, fluidy um and then day four you kind of just feel normal because your body's used to drinking that much water and with drinking that much water you gain um you know a lot of clarity you sleep really well your skin gets better your hair gets better but on top of this um drinking this this sachet water you're also only putting into your body alkaline foods so the way that the body digests things it's either acidic or alkaline um things like alcohol coffee red meat um sugar they are uh, they are acidic so when they hit your belly your body has to work really hard to bring them down to an alkalized um level Mm -hmm. because your body is naturally at a neutral or like an alkaline um ph I'm not a doctor, by the way, guys. So just, you know, this is what I've learned over my years of, of research. So it's purely just, you know. Your learnings. Yeah, yeah my yeah. learnings. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so when your body's doing less to turn the food into, like, alkaline, yeah. it can focus on other things. So it can focus on cell rejuvenation. It can focus on weight loss. It can focus on, they even say that it's, it kind of came from, like, cancer diet type of background so it would your body would eat cancer cells because or break them down because it wasn't putting all its energy into digesting your food yeah um so things you eat are like greens veggies it's a restricted vegan diet yeah um and a lot of soft foods it's all about helping making it as easy for your body as you can but i think the thing that i've learned is that because diet is just so confusing like mm. everybody's got a different message if you know that you don't necessarily process chickpeas don't eat chickpeas yeah like even though the rest of, like even though this diet says oh chickpeas are great like blah 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 or whatever it is like you know you can eat as much lemon as you like but if lemon gives you indigestion don't have it yeah absolutely so it's it just you have to really listen to your body still. Yeah, and it is being so aware when you're doing that of, okay, what's actually working for me? How is my body reacting to this? Is it getting bloated from a certain food? Is mm. it like, you know, because everyone is so different. Like, 100%. I know for me, I eggplant sometimes just kills me and yeah. I love it so, so oh, much. No. And it just absolutely kills me, but it is just becoming aware and like eliminating that food for a little bit and then, yeah. you know, slowly introducing it again and finding out, yeah truly what works for you and allows you to be at the best version of yourself in the feelings so 100 percent. and this diet does help with that because it does eliminate so much from from Mm -hmm. what you're eating and then i think that also the important thing to remember is that it's not about eating less calories yeah absolutely 
you can eat as much as you like on this alkaline diet, which for me is great. So you like mushrooms, go for your life. You know, like you've got to make sure that you're still getting your calorie intake. Mm -hmm. So for me, my like basic, my, what do I call it? Basal metabolic rate. Um, my when I'm if I slept all day, yes. I'm still burning eighteen hundred to two thousand calories. Oh wow! Without yeah. even doing anything, the more muscle you have, the more you know your body naturally burns because mm-hmm. muscles turn, they need it to to continue to exist. I guess you know I have to make sure that I'm at least getting that. So I'm eating a lot of calorie high food when I'm on this. So like lots of avocado and nuts and things like that that are going to give me the fuel that my body needs. Yes, absolutely. So when you when do you decide that you need to, I guess, stick to this form of eating or is that kind of your philosophy all of the time? Is that always your approach? No, it's not always my approach. Yeah. I love sugar. Yeah. I love it so much. And You're I love, only human. I love carbs. And I've start, like, I was vegetarian for about 18 months and I've started reintroducing meat. Yeah. Um, my body doesn't really have a difference with eating meat and not eating meat. Um, I went off it for environmental reasons and... I'm kind of starting to kind of come back on it. I am noticing that I'm a lot stronger when I train um, and it is a lot easier to eat healthy mm-hmm. with meat. I find that there's more options. I don't have to go to like, I'll get, you know, because I was eating very carb heavy, heavy when I was yeah. vegetarian. And now when I have a little bit more of a meat option, especially because I travel so much, it's really hard. Yeah, so I guess I just have to really listen to my body. Uh, it's about... You know, when I'm feeling stressed, when I don't have, um, when, when I'm feeling a bit foggy, for me, the alkaline diet really provides a sense of mental clarity. And it's yeah. really hard to explain to someone who hasn't cut out, I think it's sugars, to be honest. 100% agree. Yep. If you cut those out you, and, the, you know, the first four days is oh, hard like torture yeah, and you think that you're dying, you're not you're okay your body's just literally detoxing apparently it's worse than heroin right oh my goodness yeah it's insane (laughs) but it's crazy to think how much sugar we actually consume and we're so unaware of it like everything it's literally in every single thing like it's nuts until you seriously start reading the back of your labels and really understanding what you're putting in your body like people would have no idea of how much sugar they're consuming every single day well i did recently i just as an experiment I cut out all sugar and I'm mm-hmm. talking fructose, lactose, oh, wow. glucose. Like it was intense. This was around the time when I started eating meat because meat like is, I had to eat a really heavy meat diet for this to work. So I wasn't doing, I wasn't having potatoes. I wasn't having sweet potato. I wasn't having milk. I would have like a sugar-free almond milk, which is fine. Cause I like that anyway. Um, I wasn't having fruit and I went nuts. Yeah. It's It's, insane. It really is. Well, I've cut out refined sugar and I've been doing that for a really long time, but I eat a lot of natural sugar, like Mm. fruit and um, all of that, because I definitely need it for my energy levels. But the other night, so last Friday, it was like super hot in Melbourne. I think it nearly hit 40 degrees and it was like, we've gone from extremes of having just like the crappiest typical Melbourne weather to like, okay, tomorrow it's 40 degrees. So we were like, yeah, here you go. Um, So my husband and I were sitting on the couch and we never have yet any sugar in the fridge or that and I said to him oh my goodness I want an icy pole it's so hot so I went up to the 7-eleven and I got you two icy poles I got like I just had this moment of weakness like a, a block of chocolate and a bag of these like oreo 
things and i go <laughs> back and my husband like, yeah. sugar. <laughs> literally my husband's like oh my goodness you've just gone to town so we sat on the couch i'm like who cares we never do this it's friday night and we ate the icy pole and i think half the block of chocolate and i'm not joking the next day I woke up with the biggest headache, like absolutely throbbing. And I was like, okay, I just need some water. So I had like two liters of water, you know, had my greens powder, did all this sort of stuff. And literally the headache did not leave me for two days. And I'm like, like, this is 100% from the sugar. Yeah. But silly me, I went from like zero to 100 in like one night. Yeah, just ease yourself into it next time. Yeah, absolutely. But I think it's, you know, just... I think any, everyone can kind of become a little bit more aware of, you know, what we are consuming. It's so important, like even with preservatives and stuff as well, just being, mm. I think in Australia, all this 100% natural and organic it's is organic. just shoved in our face so it's much. Amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And Still you turn, sugar. It really is. And you turn to the back and you're like, oh my goodness, this is actually not that good. But, you know, it's a marketing scheme. So <laughs> The awareness is an amazing step forward. But I think there's also got to be a certain level of not beating yourself up. Oh, absolutely. About, you know, if you do have a lapse because it's you're addicted. Yeah. I guarantee you, you're like, I am so addicted. Mm-hmm. And that like self-hate for having a treat can be just as bad. Oh, definitely. It's almost the most vicious yeah. kind of cycle you can go on, isn't it? Because yeah. I think especially as females, you know, we do have periods every month. Oh. We have, you know, we're literally on a cycle like non-stop so it's like two days before i get my period i'm gonna be eating every piece of sugar that i can get my hands on 100 percent. i'm the same so hard to control and sometimes you just have to let it ride 100 you have to be kind to yourself yeah so i guess moving on from that i would love to get some insight into how you stay mentally um and physically strong with Mm. i guess just throughout your life if it's from your being in the industry from um, having scoliosis all of those things like how do you stay mentally strong so that you're always being the best version of yourself yeah I think that's I mean it's a great question and I think it's something that I don't necessarily even know the answer to 100% because I'm still working on that Um, you can I feel like I can always be better than what I am because there's so many aspects of myself like I am so many things and they all have yeah like we said before lights and darks and I think that you know being mentally strong has you know also has to have room for being mentally weak and you you can't have one without the other so there are definitely moments when I have downs and um it's getting through those moments that makes you a strong person. So my, my rather than just constantly not allowing myself to feel negative emotions or to feel disappointment or jealousy, all those things, it's, it's more about recognizing them, recognizing where they come from, why they're here, why I'm feeling them, and then processing them. So my processing way, deal, thing, that I do is uh, just talking. It's taken me a long, long time to figure out that that's the best way for me to process um, emotions. I was never a very open child. I kept, or teenager, I kept everything really close to my heart. I didn't, I was a people pleaser. So if I had anything wrong with me, 
I was I didn't want anyone to know because I didn't want to bring them down. It's not their problem. It's my problem. Um, unless of course it was something really bad, like my brother stole my Care Bear or something, you know. But it was I was just really, really like closed. And for me, the, the be, becoming open and learning to trust and you know speaking to my partner and my mum and my friends, like even today, like if I'm really down one of the the things that my body does is I, I shut down and I feel like I have no one. So I will completely switch off. My brain just will stop processing anything and I will go into kind of like a zombie state and I'll be so like, it like just makes it worse and I start to feel like, oh, I've got no one. But mm. all I have to do is call my friends and, and I, I tell them like a week later when I've gotten over it, I've worked through my own stuff and they're like, why didn't you call me? Like, oh, well, I didn't want to bother you. That's what I need to. Yeah, and it's almost like in that state you start manifesting these really negative, I guess, outcomes or thoughts that you're like... drama queen. Totally, absolutely. Sexual here, right here, yep. But it's only in those really, really low points. But I think it's important to recognize those. Definitely. And I really love how you touched on recognizing your emotions. I think that's, you know, as children... Um, you know, you sometimes taught to, oh, stop crying or, yeah. you know, don't do that Especially or don't do this. Boys. Yeah. And I know there's a lot of work now going on in schools about teaching children to be more mindful and mm. parents as well of that really mindful behavior of, okay, well, it's, it's actually okay for a child to have a tantrum, but where is it coming from? Yeah. Like, why are they having this? You know, how are you learning from that emotion and, and really allowing that to be present and to happen and to recognize okay this is coming from here and this is due to that so I yeah I love that you are so aware of that and that you touched on that because I think it's super important and like I know personally some days you know you feel like you're on top of the world and you're flying and you're kicking all of these Mm -hmm. goals and then I'll have like a full week of just being like what am I doing? Like, who do you think you are? Like, you can't do this. Like, yeah, here you are. Like, you know, thinking you can run your own show and you're like sleeping until eight o'clock in the morning. Like, yeah. And it's like, but yet here you are running your own show and sleeping until eight o'clock in the morning. (laughs) But it is, it's kind of being, you know, it's going back to being kind to yourself as well, but recognizing like, okay, where is this feeling coming from this week? Like, why am I feeling like, I guess, less competent? Yeah. It could be something as simple as hormones. Definitely. Or it could be, comparison Mm -hmm. or it could be like I think also once you start to recognize things within yourself it's a lot easier to show compassion yes and that's what my boyfriend and I are talking about a lot at the moment is that like we chat he chats deep he's a deep dude um and he has taught me so much but we are at the moment talking about that kind of thing so like once you learn that you know why you react to something Mm -hmm. and for example say you get really snippy at your sister because she did something you don't like and you start to look at, oh, why is that bothering you? Then you can start to realize when she gets snippy at you, it's not about you. It's about her and what she's going through. Yes. So it's like not... Um, it's it? almost taking yourself out of the situation. Yeah. Like it's it almost goes back to what you are saying earlier about your modeling and taking you out of the situation and Mm. realizing that like okay there's actually more to this than just the fact that 
they don't yeah. like me or you know it's, it's not about it's not personal absolutely it's There's like so much in life that people take as personal and yeah, it's not personal definitely and i think you can take so much from that with friends i know i've definitely had cases with friends where they've reacted some way to a situation and you know you can get quite upset or be like why is she talking to me like that or why mm. is she doing that and but instead, you know, stepping away from it, taking yourself out of it and thinking, okay, what's actually maybe going on for her or him yeah. or them right now? And then you find out like, I don't know, someone's sick or they're moving house Definitely. or they've just like, you know, there's yep. stress. Financial there. pressure or yeah. yeah, whatever it is. So, um, so I would love to know what the future holds for Nat Rosa. I would love to know that. Too. <laughs> <laughs> um, gee, well, I guess. Um, well, I'll be going back to LA after the Christmas break and kind of plugging it out over there a little bit more. Um, LA has been really good uh, as like a, a new challenge for me, new clients, new industry, new people, um, the complete new banking system, like little things like that. <laughs> yeah. Like it's a real uphill battle, I feel. Um, it's a completely I'm different world, isn't so it? Different. Oh, yeah. I don't understand why they can't just take a leaf from our book and make it all so easy. Like Australia is so good. Um, but yeah, so I'm just learning to live the American way and, um, that's kind of my plan for the next few years and just see where that takes me. And it's nice to not have a structured future plan. I really actually struggle to not do that because I am such a planner. Like I have, I love making plans and lists and things like that. So I found that when I plan my life too much, I'm greeted with more disappointment because uh, I don't get to where I want. And a lot of it has to do, like a lot of it is pressure on my partner or my family or even like myself and like my career trajectory. Like I can't, it, that's not in my control a lot of the time. Like I can do things to assist it, but if I put, too, like if I plan my future too much based on those elements that are, are not me, it I can yeah, leave me feeling disappointed and like I haven't achieved what I've wanted to whereas my goals I guess for the future are more about stuff that I have complete control over so making sure that I'm in a place where I'm happy and that I'm doing things that make me happy and that I'm surrounding myself with the right people to inspire me and encourage me and rather than being like oh I'd like to own a house and I'd like to have a nice garden so it's just it's smaller more internal steps for my future definitely but I fully believe that those things will get you so much further than the big you know ambitious goals that sometimes let us down yeah well I mean I think for me it's never really been about material possessions like yes I like nice shiny things I've got very expensive taste Um, unintentionally (laughs) completely unintentionally uh but you know like that's I think I know they always say it doesn't make you happy and I think I know that because I don't have those things And I'm so happy. Yeah, absolutely. So what would be your number one health tip for all our listeners? This is a question we ask all of our uh, guests. So I'd love to hear what yours is. I don't want to say one that someone else has said, but I guess it doesn't matter. That's okay. It's mine. Um, I think uh, listen to your body. Awesome. And not to be afraid of what it's telling you. Yeah, that's really, really powerful thing to learn, I think. So great tip. And I don't think anyone said that. (laughs) So you've done well. (laughs) What would be one of the best pieces of advice you have ever been given? Well, I've been given a lot. But the the one thing that I've found that just continually pops up is from my dad. And he says, 
planning prevents swear word poor performance. <laughs> um, and I think that that is uh, pretty bang on. I, if I, it, it helps me from de-stressing. It makes my life so much easier. Um, and I guess that's where I get my whole like plan for the future. Like, that, <laughs> yeah. That's my dad coming out in me. But but you know, in smaller doses, it's a really really good saying, and it just it really does help me manage my day-to-day activities yeah definitely I think it almost it sometimes comes down to to like putting your best foot forward like the more planned that you are and prepared you know you are then you know that you're giving everything your best shot possible so yeah I love that well done dad Dad. (laughs) thanks for being a part of the podcast (laughs) and now for all of the foodies listening Mm. what would a day on your plate look like it changes because I love food I'm not the type of person that can have the same thing for breakfast, yeah. lunch, and dinner, and then like repeat, repeat, repeat. In saying that, though, my smoothie, which I have every morning when I've got a blender, um, and when I'm not going out for breakfast, so it's really not every morning. But just, <laughs> let's just say Monday to Friday, I'm at home. I'm going to make my smoothie, which is banana, blueberries, almond, or normal milk, and then some protein powder, and maybe some peanut butter if I need the extra, extra fat, extra calories for the day. Um, it's so good. I love that smoothie. And then lunch is like, I usually have, I've been trying recently since I got back to Australia to do carbs for lunch, like carbs and um, like a, like a salad. Yep. And then for dinner, I have meat and like a salad or veggies, yeah. something like that. So I just reduce my carbs for dinner. Cause I mean, we discussed before I'm obsessed with carbs. Oh, I'm exactly the same. I honestly, like my husband actually does or almost does carb free during the week. Like I am seriously (laughs) like, I will never, ever, ever understand how he does that. And it's become a real joke between us because I am the polar opposite. I'm like carbs every meal. Absolutely love them. We'll never cut them out. They're the best thing. (laughs) Oh, well, I'm just super lucky. I've done like this blood test thing and my body processes carbs really well. Oh, I need to do that. What is it? It's called um, my DNA life. Oh, okay. Yeah, I found them um, last year. They just, they launched, was it last year? They launched like in Australia last year and they just do like a mouth swab and they send it off and then it comes back with like your biological breakdown, like your DNA breakdown of, so some people break down fats a lot easier than others. Some people store fat a lot easier than others. Some people, their muscles are more like in their DNA, they're more likely to recover quicker. So it gives you like a food and training breakdown. I don't, I don't know, like, you know, like, it might not be 100% accurate for some people, but from what I received, I was like, oh, that, that makes sense. That's You're, why yeah. I can eat lots of carbs. Yeah, <laughs> I totally get that. <laughs> oh, Nat, thank you so much for joining me today. I've absolutely loved chatting to you. You are just such a beautiful soul inside and out. Oh, um, again, thanks for coming out in this terrible Melbourne weather. Um, but I know our listeners will get so much out of this. So oh, I loved being on the program and I, yeah, I can't wait to hear where you guys go in the future with everyone else that you get on oh thank you so much thank you so much for listening if you enjoyed today's episode make sure you leave us a five-star review and subscribe so you can keep up to date with our new episodes each week for a dose of weekly happy healthy news you can subscribe to our newsletter via our website at thehealthyhustlers.com Until next week, make sure that you're investing in yourself to keep the hustle healthy.